I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Josh Plave. Josh is a multifamily syndicator who specializes in helping investors use their retirement funds to passively invest. So um, really excited to hear about that, Josh. But, uh, but first of all, thank you. Thank you for taking the time out and coming on the show. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't we why don't we start with just you know kind of getting your background to tell everybody a little bit about your story and yeah um, how you started and got into real estate and then we'll, we'll kind of dive in there. Sure. So um, if you clicked on the episode, you probably know that we're going to be talking about retirement accounts. So I guess I'll, I'll kind of dive into it from that angle. Um, I started with retirement accounts when I was uh, 16. Uh, my mother and my grandfather were both CPAs. And so they sort of um, instilled this uh, forward-thinking mindset in, in me. Uh, after I had, you know, worked a summer job that year uh, when I was 16, uh, I didn't really need the funds at the time. So they said, "Hey, you should just open up a Roth IRA and, and get them, you know, uh, started for you and get get the uh, the funds moving for you." And uh, I started investing in what I knew at the time. Uh, opened up an account. It's been going ever since. Been contributing to it. Um, in the meantime, and um, when you fast forward to kind of maybe 10 years after that, um, my grandfather and my mother, who I had mentioned, they both unfortunately had passed away. Um, and so what they were kind enough to do is leave my sisters and, and me with their retirement accounts. Um, it wasn't a really a life-changing amount of money, but it was something that I really needed to make sure I was going to look after, I was going to be a good steward of wasn't just going to put it all on black and hope that it landed on it. Um, I needed to make sure that whatever we ended up doing with it was deployed properly. So at the time, I was also kind of um, moving in, into real estate. I was shifting careers and I kind of decided to go down what I would call a self-taught curriculum. I think a lot of people kind of do this where, um, you know, they, they go listen to all the podcasts watch webinars, read every book you can, attend seminars, attend meetups, everything like that. Uh, and essentially what I was trying to do is figure out what um, avenue, what piece, what, what sector within real estate that I was going to, um, to pursue. Uh, because, you know, when you go to these meetups and you, and you start out bigger pockets and all these places, you end up kind of realizing that most people end up going in with um, single family homes or flips or wholesaling. And that's where a lot of people start out. Um, but then I realized that everyone kept on talking about scaling up and kind of going from two units to four to eight, 16, 32. Um, and this word syndication kept on popping up. And so I, I started to learn a bit about commercial real estate. Um, I'm going to fast forward really quickly and just basically say, I ended up realizing that commercial was the space that I wanted to be in. Uh, specifically multifamily. And so I actually started directly within multifamily. Um, and I actually ended up figuring out how to use those retirement funds. It's a, it was a long educational process that um, I, I realized there wasn't any one central piece 
or one place to um, gather all this information and, and learn um, about it. So I decided to kind of put that all together, help other folks out. Uh, and now I go out and, um, and find properties that work for retirement accounts. Okay, perfect. I guess it makes sense if, if both your, your mother and your grandfather were CPAs that you would be kind of started with that thinking at such a young age, but that, you know, well, <laughs> not me or any of my friends were thinking about our retirement accounts at 16. I mean, I, I love it because now, you know, I have young kids and I'm like, I've already started retirement accounts for them. Great. And they're eight, nine months and three years old. Like just because it's like, because of the power of time, which is why I think yeah. this little piece in, in terms of just your, your youth at the time of starting those things, you don't have to put a lot of money in there if you start early because you've got so much time for it to grow. Uh, and, and then, you know, sort of what I think is, is interesting and, you know, we'll, we'll keep talking here about it, but that you, you, most people, even if you said, okay, we're going to put, you know, put this money in a retirement account, most people, what that means is they're, you know, someone's managing it. They're, they're using, you know, they've got mutual funds or stocks or whatever the case may be. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but that's not, not the route that you went with those retirement accounts. So I, I love, I, I'd love to hear about how kind of you married that, those, the two together and, and, and how you structure this stuff, which is, is obviously, I think, kind of your, your niche. I'm firing too many questions, so let's start with that. And a lot of things I, I was like, so there's a lot of cool stuff here. So go ahead and, and let's just talk about how you came to that conclusion, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, when I was attending all of these different conferences, I guess I really didn't go in with the intention of realizing that I wanted to use those retirement accounts in real estate. I knew I needed to figure out something. So it was sort of in the back of my mind, but um, while I was figuring out what I wanted to do actively as my own, um, you know, for my career, I, I saw a couple um, different topics talking about this and I learned and realized that you can actually apply leverage to your retirement accounts. You don't have to invest in just the stock um, bond market or whatever. Uh, you can invest in pretty much anything else, uh, anything you want. And so when I realized that, uh, it was kind of the light bulb moment in my head. Oh, I can invest in real estate. I can leverage. I can actually apply outside funds to it and amp up the returns. Of course, it comes with risk. So you need to work on that. But um, that was really the moment where I realized, hey, I need to be serious about this. I got to learn how I can properly do this because you're right. Uh, at the time, I wasn't, um, I wasn't too old. So I realized I had time. And with the time I had, I knew I could be really effective at growing these accounts and, um, and, and putting them down the right avenues, having a bit more control because I would be able to talk to the people that I was placing my, my capital with uh, instead of just investing in, a, in a, a stock where that was kind of at the whim of, of the CEO and major shareholders. So um, it was at that moment that I realized I kind of wanted to go down that avenue and the education piece was um, what followed. Awesome. So from a structure standpoint, what process are you using to do that? Now, and so you correct me if I'm wrong, but people, you cannot use your own retirement account funds in your own deals. Yes, right? exactly. That's, that's, that's one of the, like, that's one of the rules that I, I don't know a lot about, 
lot about them, but I do know that's one of the rules. And so you can't take your own IRA or 401k and put it in your own syndication deal. So you, you, in order to take, you know, your own retirement funds, you're going to invest in other people's, but then you are also helping other people invest their retirement funds. So tell us a little bit about how you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going to starting at the, the basics, um, there, if you have IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, um, thrift savings plans, uh, really any kind of retirement plan, you can push those all into um, really two different types of self-directed accounts. There's the self-directed IRA and the solo 401k. Um, they're both um, perfectly fine vehicles uh, and they aren't any really special type of retirement accounts. Um, they're just not really well known. They're not um, sold by the masses. Um, when you move your money from a normal IRA to a self-directed IRA, it's not changing any kind of characteristic. That's just a marketing term. Uh, so you're moving it from, let's say, a Schwab, Fidelity, or Vanguard, someone who's kind of, you know, the, the banks that are in charge of you know, these large stock brokerages. Um, you're moving it over to a, a smaller custodian, some uh, bank that's established so that you can invest into other uh, avenues. So once you establish these accounts, you can now actually make use of those funds. Um, and so we're taking those accounts and uh, yeah, we're going out and, and finding properties that work uh, best for them. There are some details, some taxes that are involved that we um, can talk about and um, end up navigating when we, when we put these deals together. But um, yeah, you're, you're essentially going to be opening up some new accounts using those to have a bit more control over what you already have. And you regardless of which type, whether you're doing a, a you know, sort of a traditional IRA or a, or a self-directed, there still has to be a custodian, right? You can't, you can't just have your own bank account that you call your self-direct because I think the name is not, maybe not the best name it could have because it's like, you're not really self, I mean, you are self-directing in that you're picking your, your investments, but you can do that in your regular IRA with stocks. You just, like my, I have an IRA. I don't let someone else decide which stocks I buy. Like I, I do it. So I, I think the, the nomenclature is not great. It makes it a little bit confusing because it's, you don't just get to put that money in a, in a different bank account. You just give it to whoever you want to invest. I totally agree with you. Um, I, you know, it, it's, when I kind of first started, I realized it's, it's just really bad marketing. And I think it's kind of to help differentiate it between what people understand to be a normal IRA, but they're literally just IRAs. They're both IRAs. Uh, you can call one an IRA, you can call the other one an IRA. It's just that whoever the custodian is has certain restrictions around what you can and can't do. Some self-directed IRA custodians don't let you involve, uh, invest in, let's say, crypto or, or, or even real estate. So there are different custodians for different um, avenues, different uh, industries, sectors. Um, and you got to find the right one, essentially. Yeah. How do you find the right one? It, it's a good question. Um, it's, it's a tricky space because it's, um, it's sales-based, you know, it's, it's, um, it, there's a lot of financial incentive to, um, to sell the right product to an investor, um, to provide information to empower the investor, but not maybe enough information to empower them to, for the, in their best interest. Uh, and that's kind of, that's the main thing I found when I was doing all of this is 
I realized when I was kind of gathering all this information and figuring out, asking all these questions and figuring things out that there's really two types of what we end up calling self-directed IRAs. Um, the, the first is you, you put it with a custodian um, and these custodians, um, it sits at the custodian. They charge a lot of fees for it to sit there. Uh, and even when it's not sitting there, when you deploy the funds, they're still charging you a, a management fee, uh, assets under management fee. And um, every time there's a transaction, you need to uh, pay for them to review the paperwork, which ends up taking weeks and weeks. Um, and essentially, you're still making all the same decisions, um, but you you're not really in charge of the timeline and the costs. And if you're doing a good job picking the right investments and your account is growing, so are your fees. Your fees work with you. Um, and these self-directed custodians, they're the ones who are providing the vast majority of education in the space. Um, a lot of them are, are the ones putting out the big webinars and conferences and everything that you see when you, uh, you know, Google, they're, they're on top of their SEO on, on Google. So um, that's where you get a lot of your information. But they don't let you uh, know that there are these things called checkbook control accounts as well. Um, and so it's just taking it another step. So you have to still open an account with this custodian uh, to start a checkbook control account. But at the same time, um, you wouldn't have to do this yourself. There would be a service provider who would take care of all this for you. But not only would they establish that custodial account, but they'll also set up an LLC for the IRA. So the IRA deploys 100% of their funds into that LLC. And now the money sits at the LLC, which has its own banking account, as would any other business. You're the manager of that LLC, and you can go out and you can, um, you know, you can wheel and deal, you can find the, the deals you want, you don't have to apply for any paperwork. Uh, and because no one is is handling paperwork or handling assets under management, uh, the the fees are extremely low. They're standard, you know, 150, maybe $200 a year. They don't grow at all. They don't change. Um, and so you can, I like to kind of joke, you can find a deal at breakfast, you can fund it by lunch. It's quick, it's instantaneous. Um, but yeah, you kind of need to find the ones that um, fit what you're looking for. If you want some more handholding, you want someone to talk you through the, the, the steps of how to properly deploy funds, maybe you should go with a custodial account. Uh, if you feel like once you learn the, the couple of different rules that you have to, to have to understand, you can go with a checkbook control account and it really empowers most investors. That's very interesting. I, I had heard of the, the checkbook accounts, but I didn't realize that was actually an entirely different thing and that you, that you had, if you formed an LLC, you know, sort of within the, the IRA, so that's a way to kind of, I assume basically that means you just, the legwork happens ahead of time. And then now exactly. you've got the LLC and so you're, you've already done sort of all the hoops that you would otherwise jump through kind of on a per deal basis. Yeah, you handle all the headaches upfront. Um, it's a slightly higher upfront uh, cost to get it all taken care of, but once it's done, I like to call it training wheels. You know, you learn what you need to learn uh, and then you can kind of deploy the funds how you see fit from there forward. Okay, very cool. Do you do you have a custodial company or are you, you're just teaching people how to use this to, to get them invested? Just just teaching folks. And, um, you know, I have, I have people that I, I work with and direct you know, investors too that I, um, the custodians that I know and trust um, or providers who create these checkbook accounts that I know and trust, but um, yeah, nothing myself. Yeah. Uh, 
No, that I mean, I think that's that's a really great option to be able to you know, kind of offer to your investors as you're doing deals, because it is effectively, I mean, it's sort of money that's just sitting there. A lot of people have, they left a job, the job had a 401k, they didn't ever do anything, they didn't roll it into another account. Like there, a lot of people do have this money kind of just hanging out and it, it, it may be invested in mutual funds or something, but they're getting charged fees as you, you know, there's fees, everybody's charging fees, right? There's so <laughs> you're getting charged one way or the other, but it, this way you have more control and you can actually, you know, place it in what, what uh, I think most of us in the real estate space think is a safer, better investment vehicle. Um, I, in your bio, you talk about the real estate industry's only uh, UBIT cal calculator. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things you should should know when you're deciding to um, to deploy, uh, let's say, IRA funds into um, any really leveraged investment and multifamily syndications, what I do, uh, it certainly applies. Um, so let's kind of start at what these two concepts are. There's unrelated debt financed income. It's called UDFI. So what happens is let's say you have $100,000 in an IRA. You go to buy a property that is $400,000. You use the $100,000 as a down payment and you receive from the bank 75% um, LTV. So you, you get $300,000. Is that math right? It should be, yeah. Um, so you get $300,000 from the bank. Uh, to buy the rest of the property. So that's totally fine. You can bring in outside funds to, you know, better the, um, better your IRA. Uh, but what happens, let's say if you then earn, let's say $1,000 for a month, um, for that $1,000, 25% of it is earned by your IRA. And so there's no tax there. It's tax deferred. Don't need to worry about it. 75% of it though, is earned by outside non-tax deferred dollars from a bank. So you're paying taxes on those 75% of income. And that's called unrelated debt financed income. Now, the nice thing about all this is that um, that portion, that share of the, of the income can actually make its own use of depreciation, operating interest expenses, really any kind of losses that pile up. Um, it can use 75% of all of those losses and help offset the various, you know, the different incomes you're, you're earning in your IRA. So um, the tax you ultimately end up paying is called unrelated business income tax or UBIT. And so what I ended up doing, and this was, I started out just doing it for myself, trying to understand what the impact of UBIT was going to be on my investments. Should I leverage it? Would it be detrimental? Should it stick to stocks? And what I ultimately did was I built a calculator. I realized there was a finite answer to all of this stuff. It's complex, but um, it, it wasn't as complicated, let's say, as personal income taxes. And so I was able to build out this calculator. Uh, I input 58 variables into it every time I run it, and it's able to spit out roughly what the, um, what the expected taxes would be. So I give it the expected returns. It tells me what the expected taxes would be. And then I'm able to essentially, on top of underwriting deals, I can underwrite the deals also on a, a, a projected tax basis as well for my IRA investors. And uh, we can kind of pick and choose deals based on which ones minimize uh, the tax or are able to 
let's say, return capital to investors since that's not a taxable event. Uh, so we're able to structure the deals a certain way to make sure that we're minimizing the impact. Great, that's great. My understanding, because you, you brought it up earlier, that sort of the, the two ways are the, like the IRA, self-directed IRA, or a solo 401k. My understanding is with the solo 401k, then UBIT is not a thing. Yeah, um, at least when it comes to multifamily uh, residential real estate, yeah, there's an exemption from uh, earning uh, UDFI. So that's one of the nice things about a solo 401k. Uh, you can sponsor a solo 401k if you have any self-employment income. Uh, if you're just a solo entrepreneur, you don't have any employees. Um, and if you are able to direct your funds into a solo, then yeah, you don't have to worry about UBIT at all. It's a really powerful tool. I try to get um, anyone who uh, has the ability to earn income on the side, um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to, to earn continually tax deferred. Along that lines, this is, this is a question for myself, I guess, but it's, I'm sure it applies to someone else. But can you, I mean, people structure different business entities all the time to try and maximize the, the tax savings that it gets them. Can you specifically create an entity to be the solo owner of, to create a solo 401k? Like, for example, and I'll use the example of, of me just because it's, I have a business that I own that I have employees. So I'm not, I'm not eligible for solo 401k, but if I created another business where I was the only employee, can it work through that business? Unfortunately not. So that would be considered kind of a, uh, I'm not, it's, it's essentially the, it, the control group, as long as the someone in the control group of a solo 401k has uh, ownership in another um, business that has employees, then yeah, it, it um, unfortunately um, causes you to be ineligible. That's kind of what I thought, but I just felt like that was a, a point worth clarifying that someone doesn't get them in trouble going out and saying, okay. Yeah. And not to say that there are other, these are called um, QRPs, qualified um, retirement plans. And um, there are other types of QRPs that you can create, other types of 401ks that you can structure for businesses that have employees. Um, everyone needs to have, within the company needs to have access and ability to invest in them and open them up. Uh, and there's all kinds of different rules, but yeah, the simplest and, and easiest to deploy a solo 401k is, is yeah, just strictly solo. Yeah, you're just, you're the only one. Well, that's really great information. Let, let's talk a little bit about your, your real estate portfolio. What are you, what are you, I know you said you're syndicating, like what are, where and what's your uh, portfolio look like? Yeah, so we're essentially, I, I kind of like to describe it, we're not reinventing the wheel. I'm not looking to, um, you know, uh, find anything that, that hasn't been, um, we, we're not establishing a business plan that hasn't been tried before. So uh, we're looking for properties that are between 100 and 350 units. Um, they're across the Southeast, typically going to be in that A minus down to maybe a C or C plus range, um, 1970s and on build. Um, so we're looking across the South and Southeast. Uh, we've got properties in Georgia, uh, properties in uh, Florida. Florida has been our favorite, most successful market. Uh, the Southwest Florida market, we have three um, A or B class properties. 
in the Sarasota Bradenton region, um, in that Southwest Florida coast, uh, at least for the last 12 months, it's had the highest rent growth of, I believe any region in the country. So, uh, very happy with the performance there. A lot of, um, um, demographic shifts that favor investors uh, in that area. But yeah, we're looking for essentially value and opportunities, places where, um, you know, either we don't want too much deferred maintenance. We'll, you know, obviously we'll always, you know, be open to it, but uh, we're looking for places that maybe just haven't essentially been renovated in 10 or 15 years, or the owner is not looking at, um, you know, where the market rents are essentially. So again, we're not reinventing anything. We're deploying business plans we've done a million times and uh, can continue to roll out at the next one. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, the, the value add strategy is obviously very common, but but there's a reason for that because yeah, because it's effective. It works. It's a it's a good way to make money for investors. It's a good way to turn properties, you know, sort of that have been neglected into into a place that people have, would want to live. So I think it's it's a fantastic strategy. Um, Josh, let's let's switch gears a little bit to the part where I kind of ask you the questions that I, I like to ask each guest. Um, first one is is you know sort of I always start with this. It's related to the name of the show being know your why. But but what's your why? What what drives you towards success? Yeah, so um, it, I, I I would say it's it kind of comes down to the concept of time freedom. Um, so my daughter was born eleven months ago. Um, and I knew for last four or five, almost 10 years now that I wanted to have uh, a family that I was able to, um, be there for and, and pay attention to and, um, and everything. And, and so I kind of like to kind of go back to my own childhood and, um, my dad, uh, is a lawyer. He was able to support and provide for our family, and he was certainly there for us. But there are a lot of times where his high-demand job that required a ton of hours would mean that he was late to events. Um, we would be late going to hockey games, or he wouldn't be able to be there for the first few innings of our t-ball game when we were younger. And so those were the moments where I realized, and they kind of built up over the years in my head, I realized I really wanted to be there for every moment of my, my kids. Um, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, at, at any point I was able to drop everything and, uh, and, and see a highlight of their life or take them somewhere and experience life. And so when I'm building everything, I'm looking for time freedom. Um, I, it, multifamily real estate in general, especially what we're doing is um, it's a get rich slow scheme. Uh, I'm certainly not raking in incredible amounts of cash right now, uh, but I know I'm building the building blocks and allowing myself to have a passive life where I'm able to go downstairs and see her first steps, which might come in the next month or two. And uh, I'm able to interact with her four or five, six different, you know, 15 minute stretches during the day. And I can, I can see her growth and I can contribute to it. And I've even seen how, uh, beneficial it's been in her own development, the fact that I'm around all the time. And it's been everything to me, everything that I've been building for the last um, you know, four years uh, has been leading up to this. And I'm really happy to see the fruits of it paying off and uh, giving more motivation for the next 10 years. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, a, <laughs> yeah, Any, anyone who's listened to this before probably knows me knows how important, you know, my kids are and part of my why. So I totally understand that just and it, you know, you you mentioned your dad missing a lot of things, and 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 I even think I just to myself, like I've I've worked a lot, and I've missed a lot of things. 
where I felt like I missed them, right? It's like, it's, it's just on me. I missed out on things. Okay, that's like, I needed to work. But when you start to think about that for your own kids, missing out on what they're doing, it just it totally changes the, the perspective of, of the importance of those events, right? It's just like, I, I don't, you don't want to miss their, their first steps. You don't want to miss when they, you know, the first time they say daddy, like that's, that stuff you need to <laughs> need yeah. to be there. It's, it's worth every second. So yeah, uh, totally, totally understand that. Um, all right. Well, second question, Josh, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, uh, you know, special skill or hobby, something that, that people might not all know about. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go with one that for this hobby, most people know that someone pursues this hobby because they love to brag about it. So I guess I'll bring it up on a podcast. I have a, a pilot's license. Um, I, when I was a teenager, uh, my number one hobby has always been uh, aviation. And so I begged my parents to let me, um, honestly, a year after I had gotten my driver's license, pursue my pilot's license. Uh, I was able to get it before I went off to college. Um, and it's it's been it's incredible. It's just, it's just the thing that brings me the most freedom and joy to uh, be up in a plane in control of it and, um, and just kind of see the world from a different perspective. Um, I don't fly far, but you know, it's fun. It's a different activity and it's um, something I love doing. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I, I don't know that I want to fly planes, but I want to fly private. That's like my, it's not even a secret, like secret wish list thing. I, I, I'm pretty open about like the one luxury thing I would love in life is to fly private, like just yep. to avoid all of the things that go along with commercial airlines and the, the you know, sort of waiting and all of that. So yeah, having, having your pilot license, I'm sure makes that even uh, an easier, <laughs> an easier thing to accomplish. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, my, uh, my ultimate dream is to, to live at uh, a, what's called a fly-in airport, where everyone has a house that backs up to the airport, but instead of a garage, you've also got an airplane hangar, and um, yeah, you can just jet off or turboprop off to a destination that would typically take four or five hours. If you took, you know, commercial, you can be there in an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, just, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. That's a, that's such a cool, I think. I do think flying would be amazing, right? Having that, you know, sort of freedom, power, whatever, whatever it is, just kind of being in control of it. I, I think uh, it must be such a cool feeling. So, so good for you, and and uh, it's remarkable that you were knew you wanted that at, at such a young age as well. So pretty cool. Appreciate. Um, it. Next question is, uh, you know, people hear this and they want to reach out to you. Uh, how would you like them to do that? We'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, folks can find me at our website, wall2main.com. Uh, there we've got all kinds of different um, educational videos and um, text-based uh, content, visual stuff, uh, whatever, however you want to learn. Um, plenty of ways to, to consume uh, different topics. Um, I also offer on the front page a, a free PDF. Uh, it's called the top 10 tips and tricks when investing in multifamily with your retirement account. And so it lets you kind of figure out what you can do with your existing accounts, some of the things you need to look out for and how you can best deploy them and avoid those pitfalls uh, when you choose to do so. Great. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Uh, final question for you, Josh, what piece of advice would you give someone who 
is you know getting started in real estate and you want to inspire them uh, you know kind of to to have the success that you've had yeah so i you know i i think of this kind of in you know i i lived life from my perspective and so i'll i'll come at it from what worked for me um as I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, you go to these meetups and, and you start off in real estate and you realize a lot of folks are, are going in the flipping and the, the wholesale and um, single family uh, route. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. You might end up going into that. Uh, my point really is take a step back before you kind of get shiny object syndrome and you, you realize, oh, I really want to go into real estate. That's cool. I can see, you know, real assets. I can have a, an effective change with my own hands. Um, take a step back, realize maybe plan out, um, you know, like a five and a 10 year goal and figure out where you want to go, um, what you want to do from point A to B to C. Like for me, I know I want to do multifamily, then I probably want to get into senior housing within the next seven to 10 years because of demographic shifts. And then I want to move into what's called triple net housing or tri triple net leasing, sorry, um, because that's, that's a great retirement plan. And so I've kind of built out those three steps. I don't necessarily know uh, when they're going to land, when I'm going to jump into them. But I, I was able to figure out before I jumped in, because I see a lot of people kind of spinning their wheels as they're trying to start up. And it's really good to kind of go feet first directly into the sector or um, you know, space that you want to go into first. Uh, and then you'll be a master of that from the start. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, because as you said, this is not a get rich quick, it's a get rich slow. I hate to use the word scheme because it's, yeah. it's not like it's a, we're not tricking, it's not tricking anyone, right? It's it's a just it's a business, it's a get rich slow business. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, ultimately if you don't have some sort of plan or vision or something for the long term, you're not gonna be able to focus your efforts along the way. And 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 it does have to be a plan or a vision for the long term because it that you're not going to you're not going to succeed in real estate like in a month it's going to take a while so it's getting getting that understanding and, and uh you know kind of and as you said you know you say over the next seven to ten years to get into senior housing you may end up in senior housing next year it doesn't that's not the point the yeah. point is like this is where you see your your career going and you can you know kind of have these things that you want to integrate into it so i, I think it, it totally makes sense so Really, really good advice. Uh, Josh, this has been great. I mean, I think uh, people should definitely watch this episode with uh, taking notes um, and all, all of the, the value that you provide has been wonderful. So thank you. Uh, thank you again for-, for Great questions. Time. Yeah, good conversation. Awesome. All right, well, we will go ahead and sign out. Have a good one, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.